podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. You are listening to episode number 53, and we're so glad that you... No, 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 we're on 54. Oh, that's right. This is... We are. You know why? Why? Why are you playing that sound effect, Jill? Because it is our two-year birthday. Happy birthday (laughs) to us. (laughs) Can't believe we've been at this for two years. Can you... We have done 54, now 54 interviews. That's so cool. And both of us now are in a new job than we were when we started. And you're in a new house. You've moved. Mm-hmm. I have yes. a son-in-law. And I have an almost son-in-law. And you know what, listeners? We have overcome some crazy technical difficulties. We've deleted episodes accidentally. We've had troubles with our microphone. We've had lawnmower <laughs> interference. We've had <laughs> dogs. We've had trouble with clean feed. We don't use clean feed anymore, by the way, because would, it would ping. We've had trouble with the uh, uploading our episode and having to take it off and redo it. I mean, we have had... We've had it all. Yeah. So we're just so happy to say happy birthday, Afraid Not, and we're still here. <laughs> and we're still here. <laughs> And today, listeners, we are so excited you get to hear this conversation with Heather McInear. You're going to love this conversation. I have known Heather literally since my earliest memories of life. She is my cousin. We are only four months apart. And she is an absolutely wonderful friend, dear friend and cousin. And she's an amazing woman, a godly minister. She and her husband, love serving the Lord together and ministering in their church. And she is a homeschooling mom. She is a writer. She's a podcaster. She's a speaker and teacher. She's just an all around amazing lady. Let me tell you. Hi, she is a doll. She's adorable. Um, she's going to talk about a time that her parents got divorced when she was in high school and how that affected the rest of her life and the ministry that she went into. She had, she and her husband do a ministry called Marriage Matters, and they are very passionate about marriage and making it work and helping others along that path. So if you are looking for your spouse or you're married and you've been married a few years or you've been married 40 years, this episode is for you. That's right. So listen in, everybody. Heather McNair. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, it's our very first time to have my cousin, (laughs) Heather McInear, on the show. And she is very familiar with speaking and teaching and having podcasts. But this is the first time that she is on the other end of the microphone being interviewed. (laughs) So how fun is this? That's right. It's so fun. Yes. And Heather and I have literally known each other our whole lives. We are four months apart, our moms, our sisters, and we share about one million sweet memories (laughs) together from our childhood and teenage years. And we were bridesmaids in each other's weddings and Mm. just love her to pieces. And I'm so excited for you listeners to hear Heather's heart today. Heather, Mm -hmm. would you start our conversation today by telling our listeners a little bit about you? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, like she said, my name is Heather McInear and I live in Oklahoma City. I have been married to my sweet husband, who's my best friend. His name's Garrick. We've been married almost 21 years and um, we've got three kids and I'm a homeschool mom. So I've been teaching all of them and our firstborn graduated last year. So there's a little sigh of relief in my heart that I can actually school a kid <laughs> and then they can get into college. So it works. Hey, yes. <laughs> so uh, Maddie, our oldest is a freshman in college. She's doing online right now just because of everything COVID. Um, and so I get to keep her at home a little longer, which is really nice. And then um, Lindley, our second daughter is a sophomore in high school. And then Bo, our baby is a seventh grader. He's 13. So all teens and young adults. So that's a different fun time of parenting. Um, Garrick and I and our family have been at Council Road Baptist for 23 years, which is really crazy. And um, I serve their women's ministry and mentoring. And then Garrick and I together um, lead a marriage ministry with, with couples called Marriage Matters. Um, I, was, I felt a call to ministry as a teenager honestly, and um, at a camp that Robin has been to called Camp Nani Chaha. We have... Yes. There. <laughs> um, and my last year there on the last night, I just felt the Lord calling me to ministry, to full-time ministry. And I, I didn't know what that meant. I honestly, as a woman, assumed that I would be a missionary or I would be married to a pastor someday or something. There weren't as many opportunities for women in ministry then. Um, but I just, I knew that that God was telling me that I would serve somehow, which we're all, honestly, as believers, we're all called to ministry wherever he plants us. Um, Over the years, the Lord has just opened up opportunities for teaching and speaking, uh, writing, um, podcasting. And then my husband and I have heart for missions. That was part of it, honestly, the, the little thought about missions was something that I love and I'm passionate about, but it didn't look like full-time live overseas, be a missionary, but it has been several um, international mission trips that we've done together and we've taken our kiddos. And so missions is a huge part of our hearts. Um, And then, like I said, he's led us into marriage ministry. So none of that I could have fathomed as a 13 year old girl. Um, But the Lord definitely put just that, that planted that seed in my heart that he had some kind of call and it was going to look like some kind of ministry. And so it's just been a real joy to be able to do that for most of my adult life and, and be able to stay home with our kiddos and homeschool them and, and be really plugged in at our church and in our community. It's just been a real blessing. So I guess that's a little nutshell about me. I love it. And you know, that's all awesome. three of us share a love for Council Road Baptist Church. Because yes. where Jill, you went there for years, right? I went there from seventh grade till middle of college. Wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) Chris and I were there for 19 years. And in fact, Heather, you ought to tell your relationship, work relationship with. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, the one and only Chris Wall was my boss for, (laughs) I think, maybe three years. It's all fuzzy. But I worked in the youth ministry and I was his secretary. I did discipleship with teen girls and wrote a little bit of stuff to teach with teens and basically anything, but Chris is hilarious because literally someday, if you know him, of course, most of you do, he would call me and say, I need you to go buy groceries and deliver them to such and such. They're having a hard time. So I'd leave the church and go buy groceries. And then he'd call me, I need you to go to a ball game and watch these kids there. You know, nobody's watching them. And 
And because as a youth minister, he really wanted to make sure we were pouring into all our students. And so it was super fun. I never knew what um, to expect. And honestly, Chris said many times that he was grateful that I had a heart for ministry because if I signed on as just a typical secretary, I would have been so annoyed by all those extra <laughs> Those were the ministry things. That was the hands-on, like going and serving and loving on kids and uh, loving on their families. And so he was really fun to work for. He was always like just out of the box and didn't know what to expect. And he's a perfectionist about his handouts though. I will say like- Oh my goodness, still to this day. That was our only conflict is I don't think I could ever get him right. But you know, he was patient with me. (laughs) There will be borders on those handouts. Borders (laughs) He is really good at all that. And oh, please tell our listeners the sweet way that the Lord brought your husband, Garrick, into your life. It's such a precious story. Oh, sure. I love talking about him. (laughs) And I'll try to condense it. Um, Gosh, where to start? Um, Let's see. So I went to Oklahoma Baptist University, and I was there for four years. And, um, you know, like most, I guess, good Baptist girls, I thought I'd get a ring by spring or my money back. And... (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen. And, you know, friends like Robin, who did get married during college and, you know, got to meet their person early, that just was, it was, it kind of made me a little bit envious of just like that plan of getting to get married young. And so um, I, I was longing for marriage, but I'm so thankful that the Lord did not bring that to me in college because I didn't know my husband yet. And so I graduated from OBU and I uh, worked for a little bit. My degree is in family psychology with a minor in education. And um, so I worked at a mental health facility out there near Shawnee. That's a whole nother story of just some really funny things that happened there. But um, it was it was a very sweet time. I worked with um, adults who were just had chronic mental illness from accidents or from birth, and they were the sweetest, kindest people. And so it was a real blessing to work there and um, got to just really invest in them. But I also all along, I knew this isn't like my forever. This isn't God's forever plan for me. I just had this feeling in my heart. And literally one day I was at work and, and this is just one of those times, there's a handful of them in my life where I would say the Lord spoke as clearly as he was sitting next to me. And it was literally like, I could hear a voice really, like you kind of want to turn it around and say, is someone standing behind me? But I, I was writing, doing notes, my clinical notes from the end of the day. And I literally heard him say, it's time to move home. So I um, called my mom after work and asked her if it would be fine for me to move home. And little did I know, I mean, she was praying about that. She wanted me home. She was a single mom. My two siblings um, were still at home and I'm the oldest and she just was wanting me to be there. And so she was like, yes, give your two weeks notice and come home. Um, and so this was in the fall and I, I really did probably just give two or three weeks notice. I wrapped up everything there and moved from Shawnee to Oklahoma City moved in with my mom. And just that alone was such a sweet time for myself and my siblings and just to be there for my mom while she was a single mom. But part of that whole move was, I didn't know what was coming, but the Lord was called, was going to introduce me to my husband like very soon. And that time frame was just really sweet because I didn't have any friends yet in Oklahoma City. Like all my friends from high school had moved on and I'd been gone for five years. And I'd say that it was like Jesus was truly my best friend. Like I can remember driving around in the car and like having almost, like I felt like they were out loud, out loud conversations with him. Like he was just there with me. He was just drawing me to himself in such a sweet way. And, and I remember feeling like a complete peace with, I'm happy 
just with this walk with the Lord, like I wanted so much to be married. I did, and I wasn't even dating anyone, but, but I also was so happy with, with the Lord and plugging in at council road, just getting to know some people. And, and so I do think it was kind of one of those deals where the Lord wanted to bring me to a place where I was completely content in him before he brought me my forever mate. And so, um, a couple months later, literally probably two months after I'd lived at home and my brother was at going to UCO in Edmond at the time. And he actually knew my future husband, Garrick. They did some uh, revivals together. My brother would preach and Garrick would do the worship. And so they were good friends. Garrick was a little bit older. And he had actually mentioned him to me, like right after I moved home, he said, "Um, this guy Garrick would be so good for you. And I feel like you should get to know him. And, um, but the bummer was Garrick had just graduated from UCO and moved back to his hometown, which is three hours away from us. And so, so Matthew's telling me all about him and he's like, you know, everyone says he's cute. All the girls say he's cute and he's funny. <laughs> and then he's like, but he lives three hours away. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, this is like pre-cell phones. I mean, this is, it was like you call on a landline. I mean, there just wasn't really good options for, for long distance dating. And so I kind of wrote it off in my mind. Um, but the very next month, our church was hosting this purpose-driven youth ministry uh, conference at our church. And since I was working for Chris in the youth ministry, I was up there like all day, setting up the chairs, getting everything ready. And then I went home because it was, it was mostly men that were going to be there. And there really wasn't a role for me at the thing. And so I worked all day and then I went home. Well, believe it or not, Garrick had driven up from his town because he was a youth minister at his home church. And he was at that event, although I didn't meet him. And so afterwards, he was supposed to meet up with some of his guys that he knew in undergrad, and they were going to go and just hang out. And I think they were going to get like a Airbnb or a hotel or something. Well, those guys didn't show. So Robin would believe this because she knows my husband. But if you know him, it's not surprising. He was just going to sleep in his car. Oh, and goodness. Yeah, just go, just sleep in his car at the church and then just go to the retreat the next morning. And so he's <laughs> <laughs> such a fun. So my brother was also part of this. He also like worked and kind of helped us with youth ministry stuff. So Matthew had been up there. So he sees Garrick in the parking lot at council road. And he's like, Garrick McIneer, what are you doing? He said, Oh, I'm just going to sleep in my car. I've got, you know, my friends ditched me and I need to be back here in the morning. (laughs) So Matthew's like, well, come stay at our house, you know, sleep on the couch. So it's like 1130 and I'm typically a night owl, but I had already gone to bed because I had had this long day at the church and we'd had to be up there really early. So I'm asleep. I'm in my, at home. He brings Garrick to our front door and Garrick has like this giant backpack on his shoulders, like this big camping backpack. And my mom is also a night owl. So she was still awake. So, so my brother says, Hey Garrick, this will be really funny. Let's, let's tell my mom you're a hitchhiker. And I just picked you up, which is actually something my brother would have done. So the first time my mom meets my future husband, she met him as a hitchhiker. Like Matthew, <laughs> to the front door, Matthew's like, Hey mom, I hope you don't mind. I, I met this hitchhiker and he, he needs a place to stay. And my mom says, I took one look at those brown eyes and I knew he's not a hitchhiker. And so she's laughing and she's like, Oh, of course you can say. So Garrick literally sleeps on my couch, like, you know, two rooms away from me and then gets up early in the morning and leaves and we never meet. So my goodness, then that afternoon, Garrick, uh, Matthew comes home from the, the conference and he says, Oh yeah, Garrick McInerney slept at our house last night. And I'm like, the one you've been wanting to introduce me to. And he says, yeah, he's great. You know, but he's already gone home. And 
So it was just this very strange, but I will tell you, it's very strange, but there was like a, a feeling inside of my heart. Like I, I can't explain it, but when he said his name, when he said that he had been in our home, there was just something in me that was like, I'm supposed to meet this person. And so then about two months later, um, it was January and Matthew was going back to UCO to start his classes. And I had never been up to that campus and I was going to take some classes for my master's in counseling. And so um, he's, he was like, well, come on with me and I'll show you around. And so I, we had this plan to go at a certain time and I had overslept and he comes into my room and he's all frustrated that I've been messing up our plans. And so I just throw on a ball cap and sweats. I'm like, I don't know anyone at UCO. I'm just getting a tour. No big deal. I don't need to put on makeup. I don't need to look nice. Just go. So I jump up, I go. And so we're in line where he's doing his like registration stuff, getting his transcript or whatever. And I hear him say, well, Garrick McInerney, what are you doing over here? And I am like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, oh shoot, that's that name. <laughs> I look up and there he is. I met my husband that day. He was walking towards us and Matthew introduced us. Garrick was up there because he was applying to dental school and needed to get some of his uh, transcripts and stuff. So he had driven up the three hours from his town And so we met and it was really like one of those instant spark moments. Like I just, I had a feeling he had a feeling, but it's funny because it was a very brief meeting. And then Garrick said, well, Hey, Matthew, would y'all want to get lunch? And my brother says, no, we're good. And then, so Garrick walks off and I'm like, Matthew, I totally would have. (laughs) And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to put you on the spot. And so I was a little bit bummed because I'm like, this is just weird. I have this really good sense about him, but I'm, how am I going to get to know him? I mean, he doesn't even live here. And I kid you not, we, we left UCO and my brother needed to get some books at Mardell Bookstore. And so we drive just a few miles from the college. And I, Garrick loves it when I tell this part of the story because those glass doors, they parted. <laughs> and Garrick was standing right on the other side of those glass doors, like looking at CDs. And it and for those of the, you that are young, CDs are little discs that we used to listen to <laughs> on in our car. And uh, so he's flipping through CDs and it was like those glass doors parted and like there was a light shining down. And I, just, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that he was standing there. And so, of course, my brother knowing how I felt, like took the hint and was like, I'm going to go find my books. And so we stood there and talked and instant connection, instant chemistry. And um, he was actually going to be coming up to UCO once a week for a night class to finish up one class he needed before he could get into dental school. And it happened to be the same time that my class was for my master's. And so we made this plan. He said, oh, after class, you know, let's meet up at the BCM and we can get dinner or something. We can get to know each other. And so that began, like, this was the beginning of January, probably three weeks later, our classes started. And um, the whole another part of the story, he actually didn't end up coming for the first few weeks. So I was like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Like, I was content with you. And then I met this man and I feel like he could be the one. And now he's, he told me to meet him at the BCM and he's not here. Um, But actually, Garrick was just not driving up every week. He had worked it out with his professor that they would like fax him the notes, which again, and that's kind of like email these days, but it's an old school thing. You would fax the papers through. And so he would get his notes and he'd study on them. And then he was just going to come up to take the test. But of course, there wasn't a way for us to communicate that. And so I just, honestly, I think it was just another sifting of my heart for the Lord just really to confirm for me that, you know, I was satisfied in him and I did trust him with the timing and I did trust him with my future. But I also did have this desire of 
I really wanted to marry and I really wanted to get to know Garrick more. And so I just started to plug in at the BCM. Um, since I was a grad student, they actually asked me to disciple some freshman girls, do like a four week thing with them. And so I just plugged in and did that. And then literally like the fourth week, right after I finished that, Garrick came walking in and he had been up there to take an exam. And I was so pleasantly surprised to see him because I really had just kind of written it off. And all of this is in my journals, all of this wrestling with the Lord and this can <laughs> But he walked in that night and uh, he was like, I'm going to go get dinner. And we had a three hour dinner and the rest is history. <laughs> that is such a precious story. And you know, what a great reminder that God's timing is the best timing. It truly it is. It's a beautiful and I think there's a lot of times that he waits for us to decide I'm good with you. Lord then mm. brings that person. For sure. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, and that was for sure the case in my story. <laughs> and you came to Christ as a young young child, mm-hmm. right? Will you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, you're right. I was um, just such a blessing. I feel like uh, the longer I live, the more testimonies I hear, I, I recognize what a blessing it is um, to be raised in a home where Jesus was taught to me literally from my earliest memories. My mom is just very faithful and heavily involved in BSF Bible study fellowship. And so they have a program with children where they, you can bring your children. If you're in leadership, you can bring your children up till the age of kindergarten. And so I grew up going to BSF to the children's class. And then, you know, just hearing about Jesus from my mom and obviously our family was in church. And so I I really do consider that a privilege and a blessing. And um, I was five years old and I remember I was, in my room by myself. And I, I can picture, I had a little paper of some kind in my hand. And so I'm, I can imagine that it it was the handout, you know, that they sent home with us from BSF or from church, but it was something that I had been brought home with and the gospel had been explained to me for such a long time. And so I, I had asked my mom a lot of questions about it, but at this moment I was just by myself in my room And I remember kneeling on my floor and just asking Jesus to to come into my life and to forgive me and telling him I wanted him to be my Lord. And then I ran into my mom's room and let her know that I had accepted Christ. And of course, she was thrilled. That was just the biggest prayer for all of us as parents that our children will come to know Christ. And so she was thrilled. And then uh, Robin and I, our sweet grandfather, baptized me a little while later. He was... um, he was just precious and he was a pastor for his whole career was a pastor. So they lived in Texas. So we had to wait for him to get someone to fill the pulpit for him on a Sunday. So it was really special that he, because in that day it wasn't very common for the main pastor to ever be gone. And so it was really sweet that he did that for us. So I think I waited several months and then grandpa was able to come and, um, and baptize me and, I, I really am just grateful for that foundation. And, and it was something that stuck with me. I mean, all through elementary school, middle school, high school, I really would say I grew. I, I was, um, I wanted to grow. I wanted to learn. I wanted to, like I went on mission trips with our church. We went on some evangelistic choir trips where we'd go and sing and share the gospel. And so it's just a privilege to be introduced to, I guess what I would call it gospel living, you know, at, at such a young age. Um, and it was just something that was very important to me. Discipleship. I, I think now as a mom of teens, I think of the women in our church that were discipling me, some of them intentionally and some who didn't even know it, you know, friends of, or the mothers of my friends who would sit and have talks with us. And I mean, they were discipling us and 
but they were also just hanging out with us, you know, and then there were some who actually took us through Bible studies and things. And um, so definitely it's been more than 40 years <laughs> since that day. And um, the Lord has been so faithful. He, I would say um, the, really the only, well, all of our journeys have been up and down, but really the only little part of my my faith where I really questioned or I would say walked away some was um, my college, like early in my college years, I would say it was a really difficult time for me in my faith. But like I said, I had this great foundation and I had, um, I had experienced the Lord. I really had, but when I was right before my senior year, my parents um, got divorced and that was honestly a 100% shock. Um, looking back, I would not say that they had a healthy marriage, but I didn't know that. I didn't know any different. They didn't outwardly argue. There was not tension in our home, like, you know, fighting and stuff. And so um, when they told us that that was happening, it was just, it really just shocked me. And so my senior year, I actually like continued on like business as usual, super plugged in with my youth group, like really still faithful. And I was in denial. I didn't tell any of my friends that my dad had moved out or that my parents were getting a divorce. I didn't, I really just kind of pretended like it wasn't happening. And to be honest, I just prayed and prayed that they would get back together. Um, and in my mind, I really thought that that was going to happen. Um, but I wasn't like actively, I didn't talk about that at all with my mom. I didn't want to hurt her feelings or make her sad or talk about that at all. But in my head, I just really thought that they were going to get back together. And so I finished high school and um, went to, to college to OBU. And that was the first time I think it really sunk in that, that our life had changed as a family because I started having to introduce myself to all these new people. And they'd asked me about my family and I had the choice to either lie and say, oh, both of my parents live with me or not. And by that point, it had been more than a year. My dad had been gone and um, so I started having to say, you know, well, my, my parents are divorced. I had to start using that phrase. And something in my heart, just when I had to start giving that as part of my story, it almost was like it took the, the denial was totally gone. And it was like, this is your real story. And something just clicked and I became so upset. And I honestly, who I became upset with was the Lord. I felt like I had prayed and prayed that they would get back together and I and in my head, I was like, I'm a good kid. I have loved you. I've, you know, and it was almost like, here's the laundry list of all the things I've done for you, God, you know, and this didn't work out for me. And so um, I, I think I would call that like a spiritual numbness kind of just came over me. And I was like, you know, it wasn't like a, an abandoning of faith in general, or even like a, a non-belief, but it was just, I'm just going to stop seeking and pursuing you. I'm going to try this just by myself for a little bit because I was praying about this and it didn't happen and my heart is hurt and I'm confused. And it obviously, you know, I was also 19. I wasn't really processing all of this, but what it looked like was just not spending time in the word, not spending time in prayer and just really trying to like go at life by myself. Um, and at first, you know, like everything seemed okay. It was like, going along, making new friends, um, you know, having like having fun, just getting used to college in general, getting used to college classes and all that. But some time and distance started coming between the Lord and I. And it actually, at first, it was very, it was almost like this loud 
I think the Holy Spirit was just loud at first. And like at night, I always would read scripture and pray before bed. And I remember this season, I would just lay down. And it was almost like this little quiet rebellion of like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But it was, I could feel and I could hear the Holy Spirit, you know, calling me back. And it wasn't like a hitting me over the head type of thing. It was gentle and sweet, but it was like he was there. But the longer I silenced that, the less I heard it. And it was just kind of going on my own way. No big deal. And then honestly, Robin is a part of this next part of my story because I really had just kind of gotten numb and apathetic. And like I said, I still believed, I still knew there was a God. I still loved him, but I just was not wanting to like passionately pursue him. And Robin and I went on a ski trip with our friend, Jessica. We were going to visit Rachel, Robin's sister. That's right. Spring of 1995. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, Rachel was one of my dear friends is, is still is one of my dear friends as well. Robin and Rachel and I just grew up like sisters. And so we, she was living in Colorado. We missed her. We wanted to go and see her and go on a ski trip. And the three of us were in the car and we were just entering Shamrock, Texas. And our friend Jessica, her car, it was nothing of her fault, but her car caught some gravel on the side of the road and rolled. We've heard stories. Someone said it rolled six times, I think. So we don't know. We, when that's counting, but we, I mean, we rolled, the doors were off of the car. Like her car was totaled. I mean, it was, our luggage was all over the, the, we kind of went into like a little ditch. Our luggage was all over the ditch. I mean, it was just, it was terrifying. terrifying. None of us should have survived um, at all. Oh my goodness. We all three walked away with minor scratches. Like I had glass all in my hair and little cuts like in the back of my head and stuff from, I was in the front seat and the windshield. And then Robin was in the back seat. Our friend was driving. She, our friend that was driving chipped her tooth on her steering wheel, but that was it. And I will never forget. Um, and I, I've always been a writer. So I had a journal with me and we went to the hospital and I'll never forget that night opening up my journal. And it was just this like instant, like come back to the Lord moment. I just, I knew I felt so humble because I knew that he had spared my life. And I was not, you know, at that moment, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel faithful. And I, and I actually thought, like, Robin and Jessica, they're doing things for you, Lord. Like, they're living for you. And I am not. I am not. People, I'm not sharing my faith. People don't know, you know, my love for you. I'm not growing. And it was just this instant, um, honestly, kind of, felt like maybe what the, the son would feel in the prodigal son. Like it wasn't even like I ever felt like God was mad or distant or anything. It was just that, you know, you read in Luke two, I believe uh, it's in the twenties, but it's in Luke. I just read it a couple of weeks ago, but you read the story of the prodigal son and the father is pacing the windows. Like he's watching. And then he sees the son starting to come and he just takes off running after the son towards the son and then he puts this robe on him and this ring on his finger and he has a celebration. And it's not, he doesn't mention, you know, that the son had squandered their family's uh, fortune or that he had, you know, been living with prostitutes and in a pigsty. He's literally just like, my son is home. And he welcomes him back into the family and, and just lets him know how grateful he is that he's okay. And, and I, I think about that. And I think about, um, that's kind of how I felt that day. Like, the Lord just, just showing me his love and his grace and his mercy and me being so humbled that even in our faithlessness, the Lord is so faithful. And even when we don't deserve his forgiveness, he's so gracious and forgiving. And that 
was pivotal. Like my life, like literally has just, I mean, I've never looked back. I've never had a season like that again. And it was a, it was a defining moment for me. And, and it was really sweet because the Lord, um, about a year later, I became the chaplain in the little social club that I was a part of. And he just began opening doors for teaching and discipling. And I always knew that I had the heart of a teacher, but I didn't know what that looked like. I knew I didn't want to teach in a classroom. I, I loved my teachers that I had had, but I, ever, I never pictured that. And, um, and about a year later, I started a Bible study that continued until I graduated and just had these friends sitting around my living room and we were just dividing and just talking through the word of God. And these illustrations and these things would just come to me that I was only from the Holy spirit. And I felt like he revealed that gift, uh, the gift of teaching. I felt like he revealed just how active and alive his spirit is. And it it just started a trajectory that um, obviously all of us have ups and downs and desert seasons and difficult seasons. But as far as me just loving the Lord and wanting to serve him, it's, I've never looked back since that time. That's so beautiful. I, the, the wreck that you referred to was so memorable for me too. And interestingly different. You know what I mean? Like each person's story, God is weaving their story in the ways that's perfect for that person. Mm-hmm. So it was very impacting in my life too, but in different ways. So mm-hmm. Hearing you share that, it just makes me get chills. Mm. God uses our, he uses the circumstances we go through so specifically, so perfectly for our weaving the story he's weaving in us. Mm. Robin, what was the impact for you? For me, I had an awareness of being held. I had an awareness of just being, I cannot, and similar to how Heather felt of, I can't believe I'm being spared. I felt that I can't believe I'm being spared. I remember a feeling of being held and it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense when it was happening. I could see grass an inch from my nose and then I could see sky and then I'd see grass and then I'd see sky. It just, it was such a blur. And I remember that this, Um, reading a specific Psalm, Psalm 91, when I got home after the ordeal, it felt like to me that the Lord said, this scripture is what happened for you. And it's where he says that his angels will, he will command his angels Mm -hmm. concerning us. So although we couldn't see angels with Mm -hmm. our physical eyes, it was a feeling to me of that he held us literally with angels holding us and protecting us. We all three could have died. And it truly impacted me to not waste my time. Like I, mm. oh my goodness, I cannot waste a day. I can't waste a day. And uh, I'm not as much of a writer as Heather is. She's even written books, but I did journal about it. And it truly did impact the way I started spending my time. So mm. I think back to that, and I know that God used that in my heart and in my life and protected us when we didn't deserve it. He could have taken us mm-hmm. to have that moment, but yep. he had things for us to do. And um, he mm-hmm. let us still just recognize he was working in us still. It's pretty special. You know, that makes me think of as an outsider hearing your story, kind of how the gospels are all slightly different because it's different perspectives of what happened. Mm -hmm. Same story. 
Yeah. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us the story, but all from their, from their heart and their angle. Right. It's beautiful. I love that. I love that. And, and I think too, um, you know, like you said, when we look at that, every single thing we go through is for a purpose. I mean, that's like a huge part of my life, my heart, the ministry that I feel like the Lord has given me. And even when I shared with you, like the beginning of that story, like my fallout from my walk with Jesus, the, the catalyst for it was my parents' divorce. And it was really hard, but yet on this side of it, God has given me a passion for marriages because of that. And specifically marriages in the church, because we were, that's, that was us. Like we were church, a church family and my parents both served and they were married 23 years. And from the outside, you know, I don't know that any of their friends even really knew that they were struggling. I think today there's a little bit more freedom, um, maybe with community groups and people just being more plugged in. I pray and I hope that there's more freedom for couples to be honest with one another, but but I think about that and even that time that was led me to a really difficult time in my walk with God. I'm also thankful for that because I, I honestly feel like had I been one of those kids that just like never went through a difficult season and just always had this faith that was like perfectly intact, which maybe that doesn't even exist. But I, I, I know that I would not understand God's love and grace and have empathy for I mean, when I meet a woman who is in a really difficult place or even with my own teenagers when they're making decisions that I'm like, think, oh, that wasn't the best decision. I feel like my heart has grace for that because I know that there's something else going on. Like there's, there's more under the surface and not one of us is um, like, not one of us is beyond <laughs> making a bad choice, you know, like we're all human and we're all susceptible. And so honestly, even that difficult time for my parents, I'm so grateful. And Interestingly enough, my, my husband, his parents divorced when he was 15. So he has a very similar story, lived in a totally different part of Oklahoma. His dad was a deacon. I mean, this is the same type of thing. Like they were always serving. And this is actually a cool part of our, our story too. I can remember, and I'm about a year and a half older than he is, but I can remember when I was in eighth grade and, or sorry, ninth grade. And um, my Sunday school teacher challenged us to start praying for our spouse and I was like, well, that's, that's a neat idea. And so I kind of put it in the back of my mind, but sophomore, junior year of college or of high school, I mean, I really just felt this pull to pray for my spouse, like whoever he was. And I, the prayer that always came to my mind was help him through whatever he's facing right now, give him strength. And that seemed random, but that was always what would come out and also obviously lead us to each other. But always when I had my spouse on my heart, it was to help him through whatever he's facing. Well, fast forward that night that we went to dinner and we met, we had just three hour talk. It was wonderful. And our hearts were just really connected. But one of the things we talked about the majority of our dinner was that we were both from divorced homes and that, um, like that was not what we wanted for our family. We wanted to start and we weren't talking about each other at the time, but we both separately were like that. I just really want to have a strong marriage. I want to be intentional. I want to help other couples. And that was something that the Lord had put on both of our hearts separately but what struck me was when he told me how old he was and I was like doing the math in my head, the year, the summer that his dad left was like around the summer that I started praying for him. Oh, and, that's so sweet. And that he would get, he would have strength to get through, you know, and, and the, for him, that was so hard because his dad left and moved to a different state. And for a young man that I just think that's so hard. Um, you know, his dad 
didn't see him play in any of his high school football games, you know, just none of that stuff that you, you want your dad. And just sit. I mean, I really like that night I was driving home and my head was like, not even, I, I don't know how I was even driving because I was like, Lord, I think I've just been with my husband. And I, I was like, if it's not him, please don't ever let me see him again, because I feel like this is it. And I remember walking in my house and my mom, I said, I've been with Garrick McInear. And my mom was like, you are glowing. She said, you're going to marry him. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Don't jinx it, you know. <laughs> um, but going to sleep that night, I was, I had chills because I thought, Lord, if this is my husband, I started praying for him in the darkest season of his life. And that just, that to this day, like makes me cry and just, is, it just overwhelms me with how God is so cool. And he's always working. And, and I think about that for my kids. I'm like, what is he doing in their lives right now that is sowing seeds into their future, you know? Oh, so true. Yeah. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about the passion that God has put in your heart and Garrick's heart for investing in marriages and what that looks like. And would you describe what your marriage matters Mm -hmm. ministry includes and what you kind of want to do with couples? Absolutely. Um, So, you know, like I said, it was kind of from the get go. I mean, we knew that, we have a passion for marriage and a whole, I mean, we could have like a three hour podcast and talk about this whole story because there was a lot of hurt. Um, I mean, especially on Garrick's side, he was just nervous because as the man, like he knew that he loved me and he knew, or he felt like I was the one for him, but someone who was blindsided by a dad leaving, he just was really, um, kind of paralyzed by that for a little bit. And so, although, and he even says that that night after our first dinner, he called a friend on his way home and said, I think I just met my wife. I feel like I just had dinner with my wife. And so, I mean, from the beginning, we both knew and had this connection. But at the same time, there was, for me, I didn't feel as much of the fear. I just was like, I want to get married. I want to have a family. And, you know, we'll, we just won't get divorced. Like, we'll make it work out. But for him, I think as the man, he was really carrying a lot of that. And so he had a lot of fear that, um, that he would be like, you know, repeating a pattern. And, and honestly, it's a long story, but the, to make it short, we kind of had a short breakup because of this, because of his fear. And he was at a college event at Council Road and I wasn't there that night. And it happened to be my mom that was at this event and she knew how perfect we were for each other. She had felt the Lord telling her we were supposed to be together. But she also was like, you know, if Garrick's not the one for Heather, then my goodness, like, I don't know how it could get any better, but if, if the Lord has someone else, then we don't want to, you know, we don't want to go against his plan. And so she saw him there and she, she basically said um, a couple of things that he would say just really changed his, his trajectory. The first thing was, is he said, I'm just so fearful about what happened with my dad. And she said, well, Garrick, that decision wasn't made one morning. Just, you know, wake up and decide that you're going to leave. That was hundreds of small decisions that led him there. It was day after day doing the wrong thing in putting distance between you and your spouse. So she said, if you stay close to Jesus and you continue, you know, pursuing your wife in marriage, whoever it is, whether it's Heather or not, like you are not going to just wake up one day and leave your wife. And as simple as that sounds and as like, that's so obvious (laughs) for him, that really spoke to his heart because he realized she's right. Like it is completely up to me. Like I'm either going to be faithful (laughs) or I'm not. And so for him, that was really freeing. Um, and then the second thing she said was, if you, she said, I just want to challenge you to think 10 years down the road and think about if you ran into Heather at the mall or something and she was married with somebody else and she had these kids with her, 
Like, what does your heart feel like? Do you feel like that's okay? I'm happy for her. You know, I hope she's having a great life. Or do you feel devastated? Like that's, that's my wife. And, you know, he said it was the second one. I mean, he didn't say that right then to my mom, but he said he went home and thought it through and tried to picture that. And he was like, okay, she's like, she's my wife. And so there was a lot of like baggage that went into this, but as soon as he decided he was all in and he has been ever since. And so even in our engagement in our early years of marriage, we were gathering like books and resources. We would take older couples to dinner um, and just say, please tell us like everything that you can about your marriage. And how do you, you know, especially couples that you could just tell were so in love and, and nobody's perfect, but they continue to pursue each other. And so part of it just started with us having a passion in our own hearts and teachable spirits, just literally, honestly wanting to learn and grow. And as that happened, as the Lord typically does, you know, the more you pursue him and, and you learn and you grow, like he allows that to be an overflow into other people's lives. And so, um, so we were married, I mean, right away we got plugged into a young adult, young married class, but we didn't really start teaching until several years in. So probably for the past 15 years, we've been teaching, um, young married couples and we've had them in our homes. And just like I said, well, I mean, any new, like solid marriage book that comes out, we'll read it. We'll go through it. We'll recommend it to people. If, you know, obviously we feel like it's, a great solid material. So we've just kind of gathered an arsenal of marriage material and then just learned from our own mistakes. And, and so we've had a heart for having couples in our home for 15 years and really teaching in our church. But then five years ago was when we launched what Robin mentioned is marriage matters. And that's the name of the ministry that we start, what started first started just in our home. And it has branched into something that our church, like we do this in our church as well but we just take five couples at a time. We take them through a six week marriage intensive at our house. And it's just, um, we talk about like just what we call the big six, like pillars of marriage. And that would be um, communication and sexual intimacy, conflict resolution, personal finances, um, relationships with your in-laws, and then your roles, like your spiritual roles in marriage as the husband and the wife, and just what that looks like. And um, we talk through, what we call those six pillars and do that for six weeks at a time. And it's so humbling. We've had over 50 couples that have come through marriage matters that. Wow. wow. It, it really blows us away. I mean, we all, we're just do it until the need's not there. And I guess the need's always going to be there, but it's like, we'll, we'll take five through, we'll take a break. So we do it about twice a year. And every time we think, well, I guess we'll take a break for a while. We'll start getting texts from people like, oh, so-and-so just got married and I gave them your number or so-and-so's never been through marriage matters. Do you have room for them? And it's just like, it's kind of just word of mouth and couples hear about it. And then we've had some couples that are older that, you know, have been married 10 years or, you know, 12 years or whatever. And they've said, are we too old? Can we go through marriage matters? And so a couple of times we've done it with couples because the principles are the same, no matter if you've been married one day or, you know, 30, 40 years. And so we've gone through our material with, with couples of all ages. And then, um, our church staff, um, just kind of hearing our passion for marriage and seeing what we were doing, asked how they could partner and how it could kind of become like an offshoot of something that council road does. And so through that, what we've done is we help to provide resources for couples. So like other small groups can start teaching different marriage material so it's not always us. And then we plan two to three events a year 
Robin and Chris were our speakers for our Valentine's dinner this year, but right. it was so fun before COVID. <laughs> I know that was literally like the last thing. And then everything, everything broke loose about two weeks later, but, um, but you guys were awesome. And obviously our plans for this year were, didn't really happen because of COVID, but we did do one like outdoor date night, but um, it's, they're always date nights. And so we try to resource the couples with whether we have someone come and speak and share, whether we have like an interview from a couple from our church, whether it's just Garrick and I sharing marriage like nuggets and we send them home with questions. We're, if you know us, we are like the question people. So everyone's always like, give us some questions. They'll text us randomly like, we're on a date. Do you have any questions for us? And so we'll, we'll always send couples home with great questions just to talk through. Um, and then we have a newsletter that goes with Marriage Matters that has been a little spotty this year with COVID. It's supposed to come out once a month, but it just also has resources just to encourage couples. And like I said, our, our passion is for couples in the church. Um, we will talk to anyone, but if you don't both know Jesus and, and walk with him and have the Holy Spirit like living in you, active in you, like I don't, I have nothing to say because I don't know how you would keep a marriage together um, without him. And so we're gonna use scripture. We're gonna point you to the Lord. We're gonna pray over you. And so really are like the people we, we typically work with are people that are in the church, but our heartbeat and the phrase we always say is like, we want couples to stay married for life, but not just we're holding on by a thread, you know, like we want them to be pursuing a lifelong love affair, like pursuing being best friends to be those. We want it to become more normal for a couple who's been married 40, 50, 60 years to still be in love and not just like, oh, we made it, you know, but to still be pursuing each other. And I mean, in Ephesians 5, Paul tells us that that is a picture of Christ in the church. Like he could have given any other illustration. He could have said a mother and a child or, you know, a father and a son, or and he gives tons of, there's a lot of word pictures throughout scripture, but he specifically says that the role, the picture of a husband and a wife is a picture of Christ and his church. And that's, that's a gospel mission. Like as soon as we say, I do, we're on a gospel mission together and it, we take it very seriously. And so our hope and prayer is that couples will begin to see that and walk in that and embrace that and not just let the years go by where they drift apart or they get bitter or they get, you know, annoyed. I mean, goodness, we all have our days where our spouse gets on our nerves or we're having a conflict or we're not communicating or we have seasons that are difficult, but it's the loving each other and pursuing each other through those seasons. And, you know, we're only about 21 years in, but we actually just the other day were on a walk and saying like, we truly like, can't believe how much more we love each other today because on our wedding day, we thought it couldn't get any better. And then at 10 years, we thought, well, we can't love each other anymore. And, you know, then here you are 20 years. And so we think, wow, what's it going to be 40 years? What's it going to be Lord willing 50 years? You know, like as we pursue each other over time, little by little, like it just grows and it, it is a miracle somehow. But we also are highly aware that not every couple experiences that and that breaks our heart. And so we just, um, yeah, I guess you can hear the passion. You can hear it. We hear me. Hear the passion in your voice. And what a beautiful reminder, a lifelong pursuit of a love affair. And to say, I just thought I knew you and loved you before. Now I really love you. Now I really know you. And then a year later, five years later, now I really love you. <laughs> oh my goodness. The depth of love. Wow. 
And it's, and it's interesting because we were, um, we also have a, a class that we teach on Sunday morning and we have just gone through a series where we've taken different characteristics that are from the Lord that we actually can like ex- exemplify through his Holy Spirit. Like some of the things of God, we will never, like we'll never be sovereign. You know, we'll never be all knowing. There's a lot of his qualities that we can never um, attain, but there are some that he is through his Holy Spirit. He enabled us. So we, we can be forgiving. We can be loving. We can be patient. We can be self-controlled. I mean, a lot of it's just the fruit of the spirit, but we were, we were going through, we always go through our own homework before we give it to our class. And so the very first week was, and, and it really was just fleshing out this, like, what does it mean to be a picture of Christ in the church? Like that's a big churchy phrase. It's real theological, but on a Tuesday, like, what does that even mean? And, <laughs> So we just started, you know, going through scripture and kind of coming up with what the Lord put on our heart. And it it really is like what that looks like is just those daily decisions. Like we make dozens of decisions every day towards our spouse that are either bringing us closer to them, that are either, you know, showing grace and love and, and showing compassion and, or putting a little wall, you know, putting a little distance. And it's just like how we spend our days is how we spend our lifetime. And so we can choose to, you know, pour in and pursue and step towards each other in the hard moments. And so one of the questions was, you know, how have you felt loved by me? Because that was the first week. We started with love. We were like, well, if you're going to ask married couples, how does God's quality play out in your marriage? Of course, love is the, the first question. But even like, how do you love someone is so vague and flowy. And so we were like, how do you, how have you felt the most loved by me? And it, it honestly took us both by surprise because at this point in marriage, the, the instances that we each shared were actually in harder times. It wasn't, you know, on our wedding night or on that beautiful beach walk on the vacation or the birth of our children. I mean, yes, all of those for sure. But the things we actually talked about, like I mentioned to him, like when I've been in a hard season and I've, I've needed him and, and I've felt weak, but yet, and almost nervous to say like, I'm really struggling today. Can you pray for me? Like, I promise you 20 years ago, I don't know that I would have gone to him with that because I would have felt like, oh, he's going to see me as this weak woman. I'm not going to be like beautiful in his eyes or I want him to think I'm strong all the time. But actually knowing that I can go to him in my weakness and my brokenness and him say, yeah, babe, I'll pray for you right now. And, and watching him still love me and that he doesn't think any less of me. Like that is, that is true, complete love. And, and he gave an, a similar example. Like when I've you know cared for him when he's been sick or when I've, you know, he's confessed a sin and I have just prayed for him instead of being, you know, mad at him or whatever. And, and so I do think it's interesting, like the longer we're married, I do, and it's nothing you can rush. It's not, there's no fast forward button. You just, it's the daily living life together and having grace for each other. And then, you know, you guys are both mothers, like you see each other sometimes in these really like vulnerable and awful places like childbirth or like, you know, sick in the night or whatever. And like, as you have those experiences that are not your favorite and they're not fun, but you see your spouse loving you in and out of it, Mm. those places, like actually some of the deepest love I felt for him was in some of the like ugliest moments of my life. And I mean, goodness, if that's not a picture of Jesus in his church, I don't know what else is. Mm. Yeah. So true. I have been taking notes like mad. (laughs) (laughs) I have to wonderful, wonderful words that we can hear God's wisdom. I'm just excited for people to listen to this. So listeners Mm -hmm. that are out there today, this podcast is for you. It's for you. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you are listening. 
And whether you're waiting for a spouse, just like Heather was when she was saying, Lord, I, I really am hoping that you're going to bring me my husband sometime. Bring <laughs> spring, where is he? Or whether you are in a marriage where you're feeling concern about what kind of path you're on, to just remember day by day, your dozens of small daily decisions will mm-hmm. lead to a lifelong pursuit of a love affair. Oh my goodness. Just no, so true that the times that we grow as a couple are kind of in the like unsexy times or whatever, where mm-hmm. it's not pretty, it's in a valley and you just have, you, that's, you just have each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and if you were to tell a brand new bride that she'd be like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So. Well, I'm so thankful that you have this ministry. I have a daughter that's about to get married, so I would love this material for her. So it's just a a great thing that you're doing, and it's so important. So we appreciate what you're doing with this. Will you give us a list, and we'll put these in the show notes. You probably have quite an impressive list built up by now. Would you list some of the reading material, podcasts, scriptures, um, sermon series, et cetera, that you love, you would love for our listeners to refer to all the things yeah. that Derek refer to your, your couples you work with. Yes, absolutely. Um, so some of these old, some of these books are actually quite old and, you know, it's funny because I think some of the best material has just been around for a really long time. Um, but sure. one book that we really like is His Needs, Her Needs by Willard Harley. And it, it just really lays out like, and, and also I will say a preface, like every couple is different. And so it gives out like the top five needs typically of a man and the top five needs typically of a woman, but there's also crossover there. And so it's really good to just look at the list of needs and to say, um, you know, how, like, how, where do you line up on this? Like, is this something, is this a need that you have? And, and to recognize that serving our spouse, like day in and day out in our home is a privilege and not to look at these needs as, you know, a drag or annoying or, you know, whatever, but like to look at it as I've signed up for this for life till death do us part. I'm, I want to be in covenant with you and I want to serve you. Um, and so I know it's not real popular and sexy to talk about like needs, but that one I think is very important. Um, we love who is the author of that one again, Willard Harley. So he's an older guy and it's written pretty, it's, it's older, but it's really practical and really good. Um, and then the next one that we love is by Gary Thomas and it's sacred marriage. And that one is the, the tagline is what if marriage exists to make us holy instead of happy. And you know, what we found is as we pursue holiness in Christ, we actually do find happiness in our marriage. Um, our marriage is a happy, fun, joyful one, but that's not our, that's not where we find our ha- quote happiness on earth. Like if I'm looking to Garrick to make my whole life happy and wonderful and joyful, then I, have created him as an idol in my heart and he's always going to let me down. Um, but if both of us are looking to Christ as our happy, you know, to give us what we need to fill us up and we're seeking holiness, then we're growing in him. We will have a quote happier marriage, but it kind of just takes that, you know, America and probably other countries, like we just idolize marriage. And if, especially if you're single and you want to be married it's the end all be all. And it just, it doesn't, meet every single need. Like it, it makes life fun and it's great to have a, a best friend and a partner that I love, but, um, it's never going to fill that deep need in my soul. So 
Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. And then one that's new and very practical, we're really loving it, is called Choosing Marriage. And I'm blanking on the gal's name. I can try to look it up real fast while we're on this podcast or you guys can look it up. Um, we can look it up. Yeah. Okay. So choosing marriage is very, like, it's just very practical. And it, it actually goes through a lot of those pillars that um, Garrick and I have like created our teaching around. Um, and so that one is more, um, like I said, it's, it's a newer one. Um, and it was written by Deborah Folletta and she is an L she's an LPC. So she comes at it through counseling, but she's also a Christian. So there's a, a biblical lens through it. Um, and then for intimacy, that's always a really big topic in marriage. We still love the book Intimacy Ignited. It's a little bit older too, Intimacy Ignited. Um, and it has a Bible study at the back. And I think it's so important. Like that's one thing we've just over and over come up against with couples is that it tends to be difficult for couples to talk about their sexual intimacy, but then the not talking about it makes whatever's going on even worse. And so I love that this book, it basically is a study through the Song of Solomon And so a couple can read the chapter and then go to the back and talk about like the questions together. Um, And so Intimacy Ignited is wonderful um, for that. So I'll stop there. But if I think of any others, I'll text you and you can add them to the list. That's great. These are great resources. This whole (laughs) podcast has been amazing. And Jill and I can't thank you enough for your time and willingness to share. And I'm just so thankful for you as my cousin and friend and love you so dearly and so thankful for your willingness today to help us with this um, important conversation. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Rob. I love you too. You're just a dear part of my life and I'm thankful for you and this ministry that you have. And Jill, it was so good to meet you and be a part of it. I know, nice to meet you. (laughs) I appreciate you guys asking me. This was a lot of fun. It was fun. So till next time. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye. Guys, do you not just love her? She's so sweet and adorable. And so once again, the six pillars of marriage that she mentioned, I just kind of wanted to reiterate that, were communication, sexual intimacy, conflict resolution, financial peace, dealing with in-laws and your roles in marriage. So those are vital, important parts of marriage that every couple is going to have to figure out. That's right. And we want to have strong, healthy marriages. So it just was inspiring today to remember we're not going to have great marriages by accident. They're going to happen on purpose, day by day, small decision after small decision. Um, I want to let all of you listeners know that you can be enjoying hearing more from Heather. She has a podcast called Uniquely Beautiful Stories. There are lots of great episodes that I've loved listening to and be listening January 1st for her start up with Uniquely Beautiful Stories again after taking a break from Addie's senior year. So you'll be able to find that in just a few weeks it's kind of scary, Jill. We're that close to 2021. This has been the weirdest year ever, right? Yeah, I'm ready for to, to get done with this year, so it's fine. <laughs> We're just so thankful, listeners, that you're here with us. Thanks for listening today to Afraid Not. And we hope you would share this episode with a friend. 
We hope you would be willing to write a review and we would love it if it's a great review, of course, and it would help other people find this podcast if you would just tell others about it and maybe um, post about it on your social media. It would be great in a way for other listeners to know about the encouraging truth that we're hoping to put out in the world. It affects the algorithms. I just said that because Robin likes that word. Yeah, it's a fancy word. It affects the algorithm. <laughs> oh, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in a few weeks. Bye.